Welcome to Potadelphia. My name is Dave Diorio. You can find me on Twitter at fat underscore lobster. And I'm joined by two guys who got to watch their second favorite football team win today. What's up, Chuck and Gene? Uh, hey, Dave. And special shout out to the J-E-T-S Jets, Jets, Jets. Jets. <laughs> that one goes out to Fireman Who's His Face, who we think is dead, right? Um, this is Chuck Siders. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Chuck Siders. You can find me, you can find the show at Potadelphia. It was like Fireman Al or somebody like a, a Jets fan with the fireman's hat who like led the chant or something. I think oh, he's dead. Oh, really? Oh, he died? I think so. I don't know. I don't even know his name. It's okay. Gene, your introduction. Uh, <laughs> this is Gene Zilak. You can find me on uh, Twitter at producer Gene. And uh, my second favorite football team is whatever team is playing the Dallas Cowboys that week. Well, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. So your second favorite football team won today. They did indeed. Yeah. Uh, all right, boys. Let's uh, let's dig into the muck here. So Eagles lost to the Vikings today in a not impressive fashion. Well, that's one way to put it. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> I got to say, I usually come out of these games with a, a list of notes of things to talk about. But really, the only note I have is we we have no secondary. The pass defense is, is non-existent. It's easily shredded. It needs immediate addressing. And I don't really know what to do about it. That's the same opinion that Malcolm Jenkins holds. So you're in good company. Oh, did he? Uh, is that what he said after the he game? He basically, like, unsubtly came out and was like, if you're not going to be confident on the outside, you don't need to be in this locker room. Oh, oh dear. <laughs> is, uh, it was. <laughs> and, 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 Lane, and Lane Johnson basically had a similar thing to say. Like, I'm we, glad we, we you... need people to be, act professional and do their jobs, is essentially what he said. Gene, you were you were locked in today, buddy. I gotta say, I really, I really, you were were on all cylinders. I was uh, of the mindset of after after the Ertz fumble, I turned off the TV and threw the remote across the room and uh, played video games. And I didn't come back to back to uh, sports consciousness until halftime of the Cowboys game. Yeah, that Ertz. Fumble just. Uh, I mean, not. I mean, the... it wasn't. We weren't going to win. We didn't have enough time. Right, left, right, but, right, right, right. Uh, it's. It, it all comes down to the the secondary. The secondary was abysmal. Yeah, I don't know why they ever bothered to run. Like you know. Yeah, and Sidney Jones, professional football player. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like it sounds like one of the ones that like would automatically populate when. You know, <laughs> filling out your, uh, you know, your twenty thirty five football team when you're simply uh, doing Madden seasons. Uh, I don't know, man. It was, it, it was going down as the most aggravating loss of the season until we made it twenty four twenty, and then I really had hope. Then I was like, okay, you know, we're gonna do this. We're gonna come back, and and then that that was that, like. Nothing happened after that point. No, worthwhile. I mean, every possession, every possession basically ends in our red zone one way or another. You know, you you talk about field position battle. That, that's for other teams to worry about because it really <laughs> doesn't matter 
where the opposition starts with the football because everything up until our red zone is a foregone conclusion. And it, you know, it almost feels like every possession is, oh, are they going to let up the touchdown or will we hold them to a field goal? Yeah. I mean, three and outs for this team is like unheard of. They don't exist. Like if you're third and less than 20, you're got a chance against this defense. Yeah. Third and eights get converted on us on the regular if they don't, it's a penalty. Um, the only way uh, you don't complete a pass is if we are interfering or holding you. It's ins- it is it is very it's very frustrating. And I, honestly, going into the season, I I thought a lot of this was going to be patched up by the defensive line. Well, don't you remember during the preseason they were they were so concerned they were going to have to let such talented quarterbacks go on the street. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean it's twofold, right? It's it's partial partially injuries and partially defensive line and partially defensive line injuries. But how have we managed to have so many in the last 2 years like cornerbacks get injured? Like I don't usually hear while watching football a lot of cornerback injuries except for the Eagles. Like what are we doing that is these guys well, keep getting hurt? Maybe it's because it's the same people. You know, maybe Ronald Darby is at this point an injury-prone ah. corner. Maybe ah. Sidney Jones is an injury-prone person. Uh, you know, that's the only thing I could think of because, <laughs> uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, usually entire team like teams don't have their entire secondary go out on injuries back-to-back years. Eric Allen didn't miss a game from his rookie year to like 1999, especially now because there's so much less contact even allowed. Right. And I mean, it, I guess it's it's the thing that is happening to the Eagles is you 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 blow a hamstring or you you pull a groin. Like, is it because they are spending so much time having to run after people that they keep blowing their legs out rather than having anybody in front of them that they're hitting and hurting their arms? It seems like the other problem is when the Eagles do not tackle well when we do give up pass plays. Either they're behind us and running and in space or when they do catch the ball in front of us you're guaranteed six or seven more yards just from broken tackles i mean there were several plays today where sydney jones just looked a damn fool i mean the coverage aside the tackling the open field tackling it 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 was just not good and i mean you you had to know that adam thielen and 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 Diggs were, were talented players, so you should have come in with some sort of an idea of how to stop them. Like, there should have been, okay, we can't we can't man them up. Should well, we have run, you know, some sort of dime package? Should we have put it, uh, you know, switched to a zone? I, I have no idea. How do you—it uh, just it boggles my mind that we—it looked like we had—didn't even know that they were going to show up. Gene, you didn't hear on the broadcast that uh, uh, Doug Peterson was asked, how are you going to slow down Diggs? And his response was, cover him. Oh, well, that was good planning, Doug. I mean, if that's the answer. They should well, have had Miles Sanders have go no out and answer. cover him. If that's the answer, there is no answer. We have no answer. We're just this is what this is what we're gonna trot out every week. We just hope that uh the the quarterbacks are not able to convert and the receivers are not able to catch, but this is our coverage. This is our defensive pressure, and this is our coverage. We got 10 sacks last week. Did we look like we even got any pressures on Kirk Cousins this week? Good luck, Carson. 
You have to score every drive now. It's like Aaron Nola going, I, I can't let up a run. Now Carson goes, I have to score every drive. Without yeah. one reliable receiver, everybody drops the ball. Honestly, Zach Ertz had maybe his worst day as a pro today. Very Ertz seriously. is now dropping balls all the it's he had there was there was a play in the sec in the first half where he literally had alligator arms. Now part of it might have been that the uh the defender was holding his elbow. Um but the amazing thing is you don't know what defensive holding and pass interference is in this league anymore. And honestly, it's shocking when there's a play that is longer than 10 yards where there isn't a flag called. Because obviously, if any offensive player gains yards, somebody did something illegal. Because that's that's the way the league works. I've never seen, and I complain about penalties all the time, but maybe this year and certainly this week, this has been unwatchable. Like, if I didn't love the Eagles as much as I do, I would not watch this sport anymore. It is so irritating to watch. And there doesn't seem to be consistency. You know, I don't know when there's going to be a penalty. You know, there was two very similar plays, um, one by the Eagles, one by um, one by the Vikings. Vikings. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, I was thinking of. I uh, get blocking it out, dude. I really do. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a self-defense mechanism, and it felt like for the Eagles, you know, our receiver was, you know, I don't, I, I wouldn't say it was pass interference, but there was contact. There was, you know, something going on there that you could say, all right, cool, we got lucky and got a pass interference penalty, and the one for the Vikings, like. I have no, I was dumbfounded. And that might have even been for a touchdown. If not, it was definitely in the red zone. Um, you know, where it's like, I didn't see the contact. I didn't see, you know, how on earth he impeded him from getting the ball. So it's pass interference is maddening. It's, it, yeah, it's, I know, we're gonna, I know we're going to get to it, but, I mean, if you watch the last two minutes of the Cowboys-Jets game, it it was every single play. Every single play in the last two minutes of that game were, was the, the, the referees moving moving a team up 10 yards, moving them back 10 yards uh, on consecutive play. It was just – it was crazy. There's a, couple uh, of, there's a couple things just that when I learned football, the, what, there were two ways I learned the game of football. One was – my dad lining up Smurfs and teaching me the different positions on on the field, like, you know, two guards, two tackles, a center, uh, you know, different formations. So that was one. And then two was listening to broadcast television explain the game of football to me and what offsides were and, and what encroachment was and what holding penalty was. Okay, so I still now at almost 40 years old, rely on, when rules change, the broadcast team to impart that knowledge to me because they have the time to figure out what has changed in the league. Uh, But today and all season, I get more confused listening to the broadcast than if I just put on mute and listen to anything else. At one point today, and I hadn't heard this in a football game in my entire life, I've heard it in hockey, but they were talking about how a line judge was on, on one side of the field was letting them play. He had put his whistle and flag in his pocket. Well, here's my strategy if I'm an offensive coordinator. Put all my 
goddamn wide receivers on that side of the field. Hmm. If there's a guy that's not going to call the goddamn penalty, then I'm going to run like trips bunch the entire game. But how can you do that? It's it, one of those things where is it that subjective where you can? Yeah, just, are they now like is. major league umpires that have you know this one's got a big strike zone, this one's got a tighter strike zone. Now we got you know umpires that let more go and and umpires that don't let more go. It's and since it's we can review past interference, does that mean like if you don't call it, then nobody's gonna review it, and the game can maybe possibly be done in the one o'clock window? And that bomb to Aguilar was pass interference, but Doug did the right thing by not challenging that because there was no way it was going to get overturned. Because they don't get overturned. They right. don't. Like, unless now, you literally tackle the guy. It's it, This whole thing was just to placate the the New Orleans fans, and nobody's actually had any, had one overturned yet. So let me ask this. Do the, do the Eagles secondary now have a stink about them where – I don't know, refs are more prone to call pass interference against our secondary than they are against other teams if a ball is incomplete? I think there's probably part of that. And I think that they also play, their style is to play with their hands all over the guy. They don't They don't have any other, they can't keep up with them. So they <laughs> got to use have, what mama gave you. <laughs> so rather than give up the 40-yard touchdown, they give up the 35-yard bomb or, you know, pass interference call. Like, to you know, to a certain degree, when you get to a certain point in a play, they, they commit the penalty because that stops the play where they commit the penalty rather than the guy run another 15 yards into the end zone. Like that. Yeah, I mean, they're not talented enough. It's they have right. to commit pass interference, or the guys will be even more wide open. And Dave, on your point, I I don't think it's any sort of premeditated bias, but you know, it's you, you have to see it. You have to see that you know, the Eagles secondary commits a lot of pass interference infractions, and. Once you're alert to it, it's gonna be hard not to see. You know, they're undersized and, and they're too slow. So when yeah. you're undersized and too slow, your only weapon is to drag the keep the guy on the ground so he's not out jumping you, or keep make him slower by holding him. Like that's the only thing you can do. And undersized and too slow, uh that's a Gene and I's nickname. <laughs> <laughs> Guess which one's uh, which. You know, I it's you, you know how like when you're watching a game and uh, every time there's a incomplete pass, like Dallas is great for this. The receiver always looks for the flag or you know calls oh. for the flag or whatever. Like I feel like our our D backs have like battered D back syndrome. So anytime <laughs> there is an incomplete pass, they have this instinctive reaction to look around to see where the penalty flag is because every time there's they find success on the field it's typically taken away by uh, a referee with with a penalty flag well when you get blasted on social media for literally that exact thing happening you make up you know you think you've made a play you celebrate like you've made a play and you look around and the receiver is pointing at the penalty flag next to you mm. Like that that is like quintessentially our defensive back. That that sequence that went around uh the internet this week, it it should it should be hung up in the locker room 
You know, this is this is you, defensive uh, secondary. This, this is what you've reduced us to. And but don't worry, everybody. Help is on the way. Jalen Mills will be back next week, possibly. <laughs> so if you've been I'll waiting for the, if you've been waiting for the goblin to return, you want to see pass interference calls, my friends. You are <laughs> going to see those flags fly. Yeah, and Gene, as you were describing it there, it it made me sort of define something I was feeling during the game, but couldn't really put a finger on it. You know, that like sinking feeling you get in the pit of your stomach when all of a sudden we have a great run. So not this season, um, but all of a sudden, you know, the Eagles have a great run. You're like, well, that came sort of came out of nowhere. Oh, damn it. There's going to be a holding penalty. This is going to come back. That's how I was with our defensive backs. You know, it's like, oh, good stop there. Yeah, pass interference. You know, it's just, it's too good to be true and you know the the penalty flag is coming. I mean, moving it over to the offense, is there, I mean, what's to say about the offense? It just was what it was. I mean, they need to be great. Yeah, at that's, this point, that's the right? thing. Is they need to be great. I mean, you, you, they still managed to put, to put up points. They had they had flashes where they were able to move the ball against. Uh, this is not like a uh, like a joke of a defense. The, the Vikings are very good defense. They're a very physical defense. They they do everything pretty well. They stop the run. They stop the pass. And in the first couple of in the first quarter and a half. They, they, the Eagles looked like they were they were going to get shut out. Honestly, they they looked like they couldn't do anything, and they did kind of figure some things out. And may, mainly, it was it was Miles Sanders just you know figure out ways to kind of get the ball into his hands. But the Eagles kind of had their offense predicated on the fact that they would have a downfield threat. And Alshon Jeffries is not the kind of receiver that if you can't give him space, uh, he, that he's going to be able to be as effective as he would be if he could if he could he had room to work. And and right now, we don't have anybody on the other side of him that is giving him any space. This whole offense was predicated on having Deshaun Jackson healthy. And I'm hoping, very seriously, that when Deshaun Jackson comes back, if it's next week or the following week, if that's, if that's even uh, legitimately a thing, um, that the offense is going to look different, like that it's going to open up a bit. I just I'm just concerned and much like we talked about before with the the whole Donovan McNabb injury that the kind of injury that Deshaun Jackson has is not the kind of thing that's going to be healed by anything other than surgery and a long time off. Like I don't know that this is the sort of thing that he's going to be able to play through for any length of time. I feel like it's going to linger and it's going to affect his speed which essentially is going to render him ineffective. So I feel like that's at least number two on the list of things we need to be investigating, getting another person in here that can at least be a viable threat as a as a downfield receiver. Hey, I'm just pulling up some uh, NF the 2019 NFL team penalty statistics. Um, and I, I'm I'm wondering if if today if it was updated with today's information because we I am seeing that the Philadelphia Eagles are tied for the league lead in defensive pass interference penalties uh but only with 5 that can't be updated that, for today yeah that can't be right like i feel no. like we had 5 today this is kind of like a janky website though <laughs> <laughs> we only get our information from the jankiest of websites are we sure that wasn't after one week 
<laughs> I don't know. Football D, D, uh, the football database, footballdb.com. Uh, so, football with three O's. It's the only, I'm, I'm just having to, it doesn't seem like this statistic is readily available. I think yeah, maybe the NFL tries to hide it from us. Anyway. But uh, one Carry thing on. I, I can, <laughs> one thing I can say about the, the offense today was it, it was inoffensive. Um, it was, uh, <laughs> that, that wasn't meant to be as clever as it was. Um, but it was, it was fine. It was fine. I did like uh, Carson's uh, decision-making in the pocket. Sometimes, you know, I feel like other games staying too long in the pocket has led to a sack um, has led to a run that's gone nowhere. His decision-making of, you know, when to move around the pocket and buy himself a little more time seemed to work out well, or at least, you know, not poorly today. So I was pretty happy with uh, Wentz's play. And the offense was fine. It it was just such, it was not the reason we lost the game by any stretch of the imagination. So, you know, it didn't really become, you know, a, a, point of frustration for me outside of the you know occasional drop all right let's talk about the fake field goal that was ugly fourth and doug little trickeration i'm almost glad that this ended up not being a close game because otherwise we would have to like really complain and bitch and moan and hear about it for the rest of the week. Thankfully, by re- this being a, almost a laugher at the end of the game, um, it, it renders that decision almost uh, non-toxic. But uh, at the point in which it happened, uh, I was really ticked. And usually it's, it's not even so much like um, calling for Doug's head now or, or even that I want him to shy away from his aggression. I, I just – I don't understand in – in a what the thought process of calling the play was unless like that play was so busted but like is there any have we ever been given any indication that 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 our kicker can throw the ball 30 yards downfield because if that play is not going at the end zone i don't really see the point in faking the field goal like why you don't have a timeout why are you trying to pick up a first down uh, you, the play wasn't run to the sideline. Are you trying to get a like ten extra yards? You're in a dome. He was kicking, <laughs> kicking like fifty eight yarders, like nothing. Or, you know, just kick the field goal. Like the, there was, I, I don't understand what was to be gained from where you were on the field. The 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 point in the game in which you are. Uh, there was only one thing that could have been good in in this situation which would have been to get a touchdown instead, but you don't have like a, a backup quarterback as the holder. It, like none of it made any sense. Yeah. And Elliot did not look comfortable with the football in his hand. It did not look like, you know, maybe he had one guy he was supposed to go to and that guy was covered because. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. That play was, I had no, no second option. Yeah. And it, I going for it on fourth down would have been one thing. That fake field goal when you finally have gotten yourself back into the game a little bit, you know, and Elliot, you know, like said, Gene in a dome was just nailing them all day. 
you know, just add a, add a few more points on the board. But I would have been fine going for it on fourth. That <laughs> it was almost embarrassing. You know, I, I felt bad for, for Elliot. It was off of a turnover. Uh, so you need to get points on that on that drive because I mean, that makes the turnover worth it because field position to this team is meaningless and you're getting the ball right back after the half anyway. So just bank the points and then start, you know, start the second half because if you think about it, so at that point we were down uh, 24 to 10, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and you get that. If you, if you go into the half 24, 13, you get the ball, you score a touchdown on your first drive. It's 24-20, man. That that game is 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 anybody's game at that point. To just leave those points on the table like that. Uh, I, and even if you made it, like to your point, Gene, even if you made it, you're left with probably 20 seconds left, no timeouts, and you'd have to run up and clock that ball. My, my I, the other thing would be if you're gonna go for it there, don't fake the field goal. Come out and go for it on fourth with an actual quarterback and actual receivers and the offensive line and the offense intact. Like if you really feel like you want to get the touchdown there instead, or you want to get the first down there instead, then run a play. I, I what I don't think you know, or run, even run a trick play. But don't run a fake field goal when you have no ability or have, have shown no ability that you have the personnel to to score a touchdown from that position. To it, me, that was like beyond that was beyond aggression and started to move into the reckless category, because e- even at the beginning of that drive, we were talking to each other saying points, any point, three points would be great here. I mean, we'll take anything at this point. And as soon as the, as soon as the snap went directly to Elliot, I was pissed off. So this is not a matter of the the result of the play determine my reaction about it. I knew right away that this was not a great idea. Even, and this happens to me a lot with Doug, where I am angry with the idea, and then it turns out that it works out in his favor, and then I go, okay, well, I guess I'm an idiot. Uh, but this was not one of those moments. And and th- there there is the popular take that well you know would you have been pissed off if the Phil you know the Philly Philly didn't work no so well a of all this is not the Super Bowl like it's not you don't need to and the game situation in the Super Bowl was very different and you were running that play with a quarterback and a tight end who was a quarterback in college so. Hold your horses with the, you know, you you can't like one thing that Doug did that was aggressive and not like uh, another thing. Well, the other the other question is, how many times do you think they they practiced Jake Elliott running that play? You think they called it like once in preseason? Well, and and, and certainly not that we've ever seen it. Um, you know, do you think they've run it four times, five times, maybe since July? Uh, it certainly didn't look like Jake Elliott had any idea what he was doing when that ball came to him. He was just as surprised maybe as we were. <laughs> but in Doug's defense, he sees what we're seeing. Uh, they need to score on nearly every single drive. But, but d- didn't it that's feel... That's almost to our point, too. It's like you need to score something on every single drive. Right. right. 
didn't it feel desperate though and not oh, and so not, and not like like gambling Doug like that's the thing is usually when he when his when he gambles and and you and it doesn't work out like at least I can say well I I, I see what you were doing there like I see your point it, it didn't work out it was a little you know was, when he goes for two sometimes it's like you know it would have been better if we were up nine there instead of seven but this time, like I just, I just don't you see really what the benefit. You really felt drawing dead at that point. Like, yeah, like you, you, feel like you're, you're, you, you got one card in the deck that's going to make it, and 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 yeah. you know, the other guy's got it in his hand. Like it's just not going to work out. Um. All right. Should we move on to some happier times? We shall. How did the Cowboys? <laughs> <laughs> So you go into this week saying, all right, the Cowboys have a gimme. How can we – we have to beat the Vikings to keep pace, right? So at this point uh, – I, I mean, at this point, are the Giants in the mix for this thing? They're one it, game back. <laughs> is is nine – you know, is nine wins going to win this division? And and really, the Redskins are only two games back. Yeah. <laughs> Although they tried really hard to not Come on, be. Man. Come on. <laughs> yeah. So, wow. Wow. Sam Darnold. <laughs> How did this happen? Because I did not watch the first half. I was in uh, denial. I was just in, uh, I'm not, um, goodbye world mode. Look, honestly, uh, at 4.05, I, I had a notebook out. And I was looking at both schedules. Because I was convinced after losing today that the Eagles are going to go on like a four-game losing streak. And I was trying to figure out the math of how many losses Dallas has on their schedule. I also like how Gene had a notebook out with yeah. the schedules on him as <laughs> yeah. opposed to like a computer or a tablet. Oh, God, that that requires a whole lot of work. Do you have like your composition book out? Well, I, with I, all had, of your... I had my phone, which is the internet, and that's how I had the schedules. Then I had a notebook, and I was crossing. And I picture Gene's like little like me notebook with like helmet stickers on the cover. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Licking my pencil and doing the math like Howie. All right. Well, okay, trapper keeper, man. Let's go. So, you know, I was pretty, you know, I was trying to cheer myself up, basically. Be, by, okay. by convincing myself that, you know, we could still win the division with nine wins. Um, because, I like, I just, you know, I feel like, you know, my confidence was blown. But, at, you know, in the background, I keep hearing Sam, you know, completion, completion. Uh, Jets uh, Jets are up seven. Jets are up 14. Jet, you know, and, you know, I'm just watching. All of a sudden, the Jets offense looks like a completely different thing than what we saw. Um, to just show you how important the quarterback is that jets offense looked so different from what we saw just a week ago. Um, all of a sudden it's like, wow, those receivers are actually talented. Um, just, it was, it was, it was, it strictly was the quarterback play that seemed to, to kind of drive the whole engine. Um, and the jets defense was not bad against us. And Dallas is fairly one dimensional. Once you get rid of, um, you know, their top receiver. Well, yeah, I mean, every piece, well, every piece, but both of, both, you know, Zeke um, and, uh, oh God, now I'm having the mental collapse. Cooper. Who's the receiver for the? Cooper. Yeah, Mark. Cooper. Um, yeah, what, if either one of them are, are out, you have, a, you have something to focus on because Dak isn't going to be able to figure it out on his own. 
without one of those tools. And neither is Jason Garrett. Let's be real. (laughs) (laughs) It's hot seat time for Garrett. It's been hot seat since the guy got the seat, man. Like, did you see that clip of them coming off the field, like after a score, and he's out there with the low five, and every single one of those offensive linemen, and (laughs) they just walk on by, dude. And he's just standing there, like trying to fix his head. So, like every team, like every guy on his team, didn't just not want to touch him. (laughs) Wow. It was cold, man. Like, it was ice cold. Like, I feel like when he shows up, they're like, he's like that guy that's like, hey, guys, what are you, what are you guys talking about? Like, what are you guys talking about? Like, you, should we call a play? Yeah, and that radiates from the sideline. He, his, like, sideline demeanor is almost as good as Manning face. You know, when it's like a lot of head movement of course you know the clapping but it just looks like somebody <laughs> who is just slowly drowning you like, know you can't convince me that jerry jones isn't like sitting up there with an earbud and a small oh, microphone yeah. actually like coaching this team like he yeah he the, the, the players obviously know the the score with that also and they're acting accordingly that's all so that's fine. Uh, so this sets up a real, I mean, the matchup on Sunday night is serious desperation for both teams. I mean, it could be, this is, this is like the division here that these two games where, you know, we play each other may decide this whole thing. Yeah, I think it might. And I mean, and this division has not looked good to say the least, you know, the Eagles at times have, you know, really impressive elements. You know, Dallas, we said, oh, they're beating up on bad teams. And then once they face good teams and the Jets, you know, <laughs> they've just coughed up the wins. Well, I mean, coughed up the losses. So hopefully we're a good team. And this battle of two, three and three Titans you know, goes our way. It it feels and... like both both jets, you know, or both both airplanes are are in a tailspin, and it's it's not a race to see. Like, it's not like a dog fight. Like it's it's going to be which one of you can pull up. Like all you got to do <laughs> to win this dog fight is not hit the ground. Like just just pull up on that goddamn stick. Like and it just I'm I, the feeling to me after you know after watching Dallas today is like it almost feels like you're never going to pull that stick up when you've got Ezekiel Elliott sitting on it, man. Like, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, we got, I mean, we have to win this game on Sunday. I mean, I know it's another road game, uh, but uh, we got to find a way to beat this team. Is it, What is the situation with Amari Cooper? Is he? He's got a calf injury and, um, he he may or may not. He said he was in a lot of pain, and he may or may not return for next week. I mean, that's so that's kind of helpful for us if he's not in. And he's certainly going to be hindered, I would think. And if if we can get Deshaun back and Jalen Mills, we're going to be excited <laughs> about that. But Jalen Mills yeah. came off of IR this week, so I, I guess he's allowed to practice as of Monday. And he yeah, he's, we just need to get some humans back. Um, that can help us a little bit. 
I, I don't know. Do you think that there's any chance that uh, w- we ever get like almost all these guys back for an end run at this thing? It... Like, can we tread water long enough to get like Darby back um, to put together like enough of like a patchwork secondary? I feel like we could. The problem is we are in this this series of games here where you could very quickly be at like five or six losses and have to run the table to be in a conversation. Right. And, right. And that's the problem is like the, the toughest games on the schedule are like the next four weeks. So you've got, right. To... But the thing is, is running the table after this stretch is totally possible. It is totally possible. You just don't want to be in position where like running the table gets you to nine and seven or 10 and six. Like you really need to be in a position oh, where well, that's 10 and six is winning this division. Yeah. Yeah, ten and six is winning this division, no question. I feel like ten, Nine, and, six, ten and six is not going to get you a wild card, though. Ten and six is your uh well, ten and six might get you a wild. card. You've got two really good teams in the West during division, and you've got all the teams in You're the talking Central. about San Francisco and Seattle because Los Angeles is now clearly. Oh yeah, a yeah, you know the Rams are the Rams are a okay. joke. Uh, no, Seattle and and. Um, and San Francisco. San Francisco seems like they're legit. I think today was you, coming out. What you're talking about is, is the uh, well. Then you got the the what three? You're talking about three teams in the Central, and three. it's not including the Bears. I think well, they all have they're all over 500. The Bears, I think, are, are the are the are the least likely to come out of that division. Oh snap! Who won the Green Bay game today? Um, I thought the Green Bay game is tomorrow. Oh, is that it? Was it the Monday night Green Bay Detroit? Green Bay night? Detroit is tomorrow. Yes, night. it is. Yeah, so, oh, that's a so good. So it hasn't played. So it's in Lambeau. I have a feeling it's gonna be Green Bay, but I don't know, man. Detroit might might surprise people. As I, you know, maybe I'm back on my Detroit bandwagon. Who knows? Yeah, there you go. Get on it. Um, but I also think that you know New Orleans is gonna be is gonna win that division down there. But you know, it's good. Ten and six is gonna be tough to to get get a wild card out of it because you know I feel like one of the one is gonna come from the West. And uh, one of them's probably going to come from the central. Let's let's get fired up, Chuck. Woo! All right, some good news finally from a hometown team. Um, but since we last talked, the Flyers have won one and lost one in overtime. Has, have... Can I ask a question to start us off? Sure. Has a has a team ever been forced to play their first three games in three different countries? <laughs> Oh, and, um, and not only that, I, I would also because our third game was not only in Canada, it was in Western Canada. I, I, I'm curious to see total mileage a team had to travel to play their first three games. I would venture to say this has been some sort of record set. I, I'd be pretty comfortable with that. I'd be pretty comfortable with that because they've traveled an insane amount of that's, mileage. That I'm that's bullshit in all honesty. Yeah. To make a team do that is is complete bullshit. Yeah. Well, it's it is uh, apparently Chuck Fletcher was cool with it though. He wanted the Western Canada trip early in the season. But eat your vegetables first. Yeah, I guess so. I, and because once this is done, we don't go back out there, right? Like I mean, we still have another West Coast swing anyway. Yeah, we still have, have another Cal- West Coast swing, but not. You have the California swing, but, not... swing, but you have the yeah. San Jose, Anaheim, L.A., you know, swing. But and usually I feel like that's where what we do in September um, or uh, October. Usually it's it's that swing. But, you know, the, the, the February in Western Canada thing that I u- I'm used to growing up, I guess that's not a thing anymore. 
<laughs> um, now it, it changes. For me, it was always the Disney on Ice Christmas break where Disney on Ice comes in from the day after Christmas to right around New Year's. And we would go out to Western Canada, and I would always love it. We'd play Vancouver so often on New Year's Eve. Not every year, but it's a night you're staying up late anyway and can you yeah, know, celebrate cool. the New Year's with the the hockey. Um, but, yeah, it's rough. Like, And they're not using it as an excuse uh, for dropping their first game in a shootout. But it's legitimate, man. Like, they've... They were in Switzerland, then Prague to open the season, long layoff, uh, home, long layoff, well, longish layoff, and then in Vancouver. So it's been it's been a rough trip on them, you know, both mileage and you know countries visited. But so far, the results on the ice have been great. They, it's been, you know. Outside of not getting two points the other night, you know, there's there's not much more you could want to see. Chuck, um... yeah, sure that that first that first game, you know, that first road game being in Vancouver, I mean, it just seemed ripe for a loss there. It did, yeah, it did. Vancouver is a you know sneaky decent team. I mean, I would just take the opponent out of it. It just seems like a spot for a loss. It is, yeah. It, um. But I think, I, I hope, I get the impression that the Flyers are kind of, you know, feeling pretty good about themselves as well. They're running high on those two victories, especially that home victory against the Devils. So maybe they were looking to keep the momentum going. And they did come out sort of flat to start the Vancouver game. So it's a real credit to the team and to Carter Hart um, for keeping them in the in the game when they were struggling a bit early. And then by the third period, um, I'll credit, um, I'm blanking on his name, Backland, something like that, um, Vancouver's goalie for keeping them in the game. But so far, you know, th- this team is rolling. Yeah, maybe rolling is a bit much, but they're looking damn good. I think there is more of an optimism in the air. Oh, 100% agree. And I think people have been, you know, I... Like all Flyers fans, I can be hard on other Flyers fans, (laughs) but I that building exploded, you know, for the home opener. There were so many times when that everyone was in it, and I think people were just waiting for it. They are finally like, "Oh, this is my green light to get really excited again," and killing off that five on three for the two minutes with that amazing Carter Hart save against Taylor Hall in there that place was rocking it was it's so incredibly loud after that five on three kill we've only let up one power play goal so far this season yeah we've only played three games but that's a hell of a lot better than last year yeah when you i mean when you kill off a two minute five on three i I really feel that you know carter hart played well last season but i I don't know. It just felt like a flag was planted um, at that moment that, you know, it's like, okay, that, you know, sophomore slump or whatever, like that's just not going to apply here. The kid's legit. He's the real deal. Get ready for a decade of Carter Hart. Um, 
and you know it, it's going to be great. Am I too optimistic about it? No, no. It's the, no. It, 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 there's never been a sure bet, I guess, in my mind, like about a a goalie prospect that the Flyers, you know, have on their team. You know what I mean? Like, I, I guess they're really what I really don't even know what to compare it to other than Hextall, but. Yeah, no, the, and there's almost no comparison, really. I mean, I don't know what it was like with Pelly Lindbergh coming up, or I mean, Bernie Perrant was traded off the Flyers before coming back to them. Um, but it, Hart has a resume unlike anybody else. It might be the best, you know, resume coming into the NHL, you know, of all time. And he's lived up to it. And the, to start this season, especially after that game uh, against the Swiss team where he did not look particularly good, the fact that he's been very good to amazing and the team just plays differently in front of him. You know, you can take more chances when you know you have somebody who can bail you out. You know, and good defensive play all around, too. A lot of those offseason additions have made that penalty kill so oh much. Oh my god, better. Hayes looks awesome. He does. Yeah. He he is he is all over the place in a good way in his own zone, you know, in closing uh closing down gaps, puck control, man. He he I I want to see the game where we have a you know, a lead um and it's you know, maybe like 40 seconds left, we take it to their offensive zone and he just like sits on it and goes, try to get the puck off me. You know, just like try to. It's going to be hard as hell. The way he shields the puck, the way he muscles people off of it, Hayes's look great. And let's talk about team depth, man. A lot of people were upset, you know, Joel Farabee and Morgan Frost did not start the season with the Flyers. Carson uh, Torensky has looked completely at home. Uh, got his first NHL goal the other day. He looks like he belongs in the NHL. And we just have people behind him, like, like ready to come in. So that when we need to, to bring people in, we have the depth in the AHL. Hopefully Nolan Patrick, you know, gets back sooner rather than later. And then our big guns aren't even scoring yet. So there's a ton to be optimistic about. Uh, yeah. Can I can I ask you about some stuff about the Wells Fargo Center for for the Flyers this season? I I just have <laughs> sure. I have some questions. We need to get into some gritty talk here. Um, get into gritty, the nitty gritty. Yeah, let's let's get into the nitty the nitty gritty. Can you explain to me what the gritty command center is? I'm I'm very confused by this uh, and. Just to start us off, I'm sort of confused by the name of it, uh, <laughs> and it, the way it's <laughs> the way it's uh, sort of written out is command has like it's it looks an like acronym. It's an acronym. Yeah, but do we but have any think... idea what this is supposed to stand for? Is that where gritty is actually running the country from? <laughs> <laughs> well, there are like like screens and stuff but it's really like it's just a make yourself gritty salon you know <laughs> so like people... right but is this supposed to be where grit you know how like the legend of gritty he was like found in a 
back room or something at the Wells Fargo. Is this the room? I haven't had confirmation of that, but that is my. Okay, that's your take also. Yeah, that's my canon as well. So wait, Um, if it's a make your own gritty salon, is he like, or or is he creating like a race of super gritties like to like actually conquer other countries, other localities? Unfortunately, I'm going to say yes, uh, because the gritty 5K was today where you ran a 5K dressed as a gritty type person and at the two and a half kilometer mile you know two two and a half kilometer mark there was a claude Giroux shrine with areas to kneel in front of it and then <laughs> gritty was up on like an elevated platform and i don't know if he's getting people to do calisthenics or getting them to all bow down to him <laughs> but the video is people doing sort of like the we're not worthy to gritty in unison and he's like orchestrating it so that did feel a little uncomfortable so gene you really might be on to something like the gritty command center for the gritty commandos have you you seen the what's on the menu at the the gritty command center i have but i don't recall it i mean i know one is like the gritty blast so, oh, right. do you have it in front of you? I, I do have it in front of me. So, uh, there are some low, uh, low cost items on here. Like, so for ten dollars, you can get uh, what's called face full of grit, uh, <laughs> described as get blasted in the face with grit powder. Oh, uh, yeah, uh. who knows what that is? Uh, you know, uh, flyers face paint, uh, blah blah blah. All right, so then you get into some of the like the main thing. So the one of the, for $35, you can get paint me like one of your gritties, <laughs> the ultimate declaration of fandom body paint. It's not for the faint of heart. It's for the full of heart. It's oh. for the daring committed fan. So that's for $35 up hof- to $50, but hopefully not for the Carter heart. Uh, <laughs> $50 is full orange. Um, Basically, what they they do for you is they give you or, or, like an orange hair. I don't know if they're, they're dyeing your hair. If it's a wi- orange hair, orange beard, orange shirt, uh, orange bandana, and you get an orange fanny pack. And then the for a hundred dollars, it's I can't believe it's not gritty. <laughs> and the description <laughs> is: Have you seen gritty and said, "Wow, I want to look just like that"? Well, choose this, and you can actually say, "Wow, I look just like that." Oh my god! There's a hundred dollar option there. I mean, I'm willing to start a GoFundMe to get Chuck uh, the "I can't believe it's not gritty." I would definitely <laughs> donate something to that. We we'll talk about it because I'd do it, but I would not donate to that. And then also, I worry about what's in the fanny pack. It's like you're spending fifty dollars. Here's a fanny pack. And it's like there's a loaded gun in here. <laughs> And like somebody's name, like that's a Penguins player. They want me to. What do you want me to do to Jack Johnson, Gritty? Would Gritty be a good Batman villain? Gritty would be an amazing yeah. Batman villain. villain. Gritty's not a Batman villain. Yeah. <laughs> the next thing I want to talk about is the Rage Room. Okay. I I got to be honest. I I absolutely hate this thing, and it. it I didn't even see it. Did you see it when you were walking? 
No, it wasn't in the area that we had access to. It's in the um, assembly room area, which is like the standing room only. Okay. You know, the $25 and essentially go to a bar that happens to be at the Wells Fargo Center. So it seems like a fun idea, right? Like, oh, my God, I'm so pissed off what happened. I need to go into the rage room and smash stuff. But, I mean, like, in execution, so the pictures of it makes it look kind of lame, to be honest. <laughs> Looks like there's, like, not a lot of stuff in there. Uh, it's kind of small. It's a little, you know, corny. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't think, you know, there's been a lot of talk of exactly what you said, you know, line up after Flyers lost or when they're playing. Well, I think you have to, like, book it ahead of time. It's, like, $35, and... You get to break a lamp uh, and a TV and stuff. And right. I think think of it more like axe throwing. You know, it's just sort of like, uh, haven't you ever wanted to to break stuff with a crowbar here? You can do it. So it's going to be far more of an activity. I think it's more of like an Instagram opportunity. Yeah. Than it is to actually alleviate your stress or do anything to, I don't know, yeah, it's exercise not- your demons or whatever. It's something like unrelated to the game. It is, it's, I think, less related to the great game than the gritty command center. I don't know why that feels more authentic fan behavior, but it does. Um, but sure, I mean, it sounds fun. Like the whole assembly room sounds like a great idea to get people in to go, I can't afford to go to a Flyers game. I'm not certain I like it. Well, just, you know, for a $35 cover, go to the bar and, you know, be able to look out onto the the rink. You know, yeah, make it make it more of like a baseball game sort of experience. Just kind of hang out, drink some beers. There's a sporting event happening while I'm doing that. Yeah, and that is what I thought of. I, that is the it's like Ashburn Alley sort of esque. <laughs> I think it's interesting yeah. that uh, they would put a a rage room in the same uh, facility where a fan actually once got into the penalty box to try to fight Ty Domi. I feel like. <laughs> This is kind of a step back, honestly, smashing inanimate <laughs> objects when we once tried to fight an actual enforcer. Um, so, yeah. you know, right. I feel like, you know, okay. this is, you know, this is something we can improve on. It is, Gene. And it's just like a a sort of, you know, windowless corridor there. And now you got me thinking because that could easily be repurposed. And. How great would it be to just like fight Tai Domi night? Yeah. <laughs> okay. See, I was I was thinking fight a former Flyers enforcer, but okay, if you want to go and get what we really should do then, honestly, every sick Flyers fan's twisted fantasy fight Scott Stevens night. Oh, Scott Stevens. I thought you were going with and now I'm blanking on the name. The dude with the tooth, Matthew, Matthew Barnaby. Barnaby. <laughs> yeah, because I was gonna say that would be my pick as Barnaby. That would be up there. Look as how well many for me. theme nights there could be at the Wells Fargo Center. God, ooh, fight Matthew Barnaby. Favors braces. You'll so never wait. talk me out of that. <laughs> so for thirty-five bucks a pop, do you think that Scott Steven wouldn't just punch Flyers fans for like three or four hours as they came charging at him? It sounds like something he'd be into. Well, yeah, as long as you could blindside them, um, you know, 
that that's what the scott stevens night is like <laughs> it, you walk in the room is dark and it's like you don't know where he's coming from like escape the room with scott stevens all right all right here's a, here's a good question right you get one clean shot on any athlete of your choice who who you hey who you dropping a haymaker on oh man for me it's joe carter all day that dude ruined my childhood <laughs> I would do one of those flying like back fist punches to Joe Carter. I that dude I, seriously ruined my childhood. Oh. <laughs> All right, so that's a good one, man. Is it Barnaby? Is it Barnaby? He's gonna be Who tough else? to like, beat. Ronde Barber. Chuck, I, Chuck, I feel <laughs> like high stepping to I the end. I feel like zone. you are missing an obvious choice here, Chuck. What, Sidney Crosby? That was going to be my pick because I figure I can actually win the fight. Like, one punch should be enough. <laughs> no, no, he's going to go straight for your nuts afterwards. That's his move. You, <laughs> like, <laughs> Darian Kasparitis could use a, oh. a shot to the back of the head. Matt Cook. Matt Cook. Now, do I get to like the opportunity to leave the room quickly after the oh, one yeah, punch? Oh, yeah, yeah. There's no retaliation. It's like you just get to vent all of your frustration yeah. into one focused punch. So Matt clearly, Cook. I mean, this is expensive because, you know, you're going to have to pay the guy to let you slug him. <laughs> well, I don't think this is actually going to happen. I'm just talking hypothetical. Like, who would be the – who? I'm, I'm more concerned about who you'd pick. Yeah. I think I would pick Sydney. You're going, you're going si- I, I, would, Sydney I think Crosby. I would go Sydney Crosby, but simply like if, if it was going to be like a retaliation thing, if it was just like who I could vent all of my anger out at, uh, it might be Donovan McNabb. Oh no, I'm not going <laughs> to. <Sorry. laughs> no, uh, jeez, uh, God, I want it to be a. Co- Does it have to be a player? No, it can be a coach. It can be yeah, whoever. Sure. Like, could it be Jerry Jones? Like Ooh, could could I, could I like ju- like oh man like how I don't know I I would do Jimmy Johnson over that's uh, also good Jerry Jones maybe. just yeah or Troy Aikman like just can I just line up like the '90s Cowboys and just kind of like give one of those like <laughs> Mo slaps like just the whole line <laughs> <laughs> oh good stuff good stuff um all right last thing is the scoreboard. This thing is beautiful. It's it worth is. every penny. It shoots fire. <laughs> I didn't it, know it was going to shoot fire. I did not know it was going to shoot fire either. That was unexpected and a little scary. Yeah. It, I mean, I think they have some layout things to work out on this thing that we could probably improve. It was difficult to, for me to find some of the information I was looking for just because there's so much real estate to glance at. Yeah. Uh, particularly like the the um, the uh, the penalty time, like on yeah. a power play, it was very small. Yeah, it was very. I mean, it was still huge, but it was very sure. small comparatively, and it didn't really stand out. They were doing something like the number of shifts guys had. Yeah, which didn't like... seem terribly helpful. Yeah, and it didn't really seem to. At first, I thought they were like live tracking who was on the ice. Okay, that'd be kind of helpful. Yeah, but I, I, I don't think they were actually doing that. But the replays were, I mean, crystal clear. Oh yeah, it, it I mean, it, it, and it wasn't that distracting. It, I was worried yeah. that it was going to be distracting. I was worried that it was going to cast 
light onto the ice. Like if you look at Tampa Bay, there you you can see like in the game on the ice the light coming off their scoreboard. Um, it didn't seem to expand though, right? No, it. Well, it just I don't know that expanded. it does. At this point. You know, well, it just, does. Oh, it does. It's it just the ring came down and and you know lowered and raised and stuff. Uh, we were we were on the corner, so we got to see the side and the like the main screen and the side screen, and that wasn't an issue at all because the way because like the main screen is kind of con- concave. It is concave, yes. Okay, so it's concave, so you you do kind of miss sort of the. For us, it was the right side of the screen a little bit. But, I mean, sitting on the corner was not a problem at all. So, I mean, imagine sitting face-on would be great. Yeah, imagine sitting face-on. you just, like, it'd be like watching it on the world's best home television. <laughs> you know, I yeah. I think sometimes you'd, like, go to a game and it's like, that was an amazing experience. Like, <laughs> I didn't look down to see the ice at any time, but yeah. you'd still have a great time. Yeah, it was cool, and I, I'm and now I'm kind of curious what it's going to be like at like a Sixers game. You know what I mean? Yeah, I am as well. I haven't seen any sort of like Sixers footage with it or what they're planning on doing with it. Speaking of the Sixers, well, I wish I could have watched the Sixers tonight, but no. Oh, instead, what did we get? Winning golf. Winning golf, followed by the traveling golfer. <laughs> Followed by, I don't yeah, know what, because that? probably a bull, a bull riding and then like a, a rerun of a poker match from like five years ago. I, I like, I don't understand, like, I cannot find a legitimate reason as to why NBCSN. Who did they play tonight? They played Orlando. Like, you're telling me. They, oh, they, we want to see that. Like, you're telling me there was no storyline that you could, like, we have to watch so many shitty preseason everything else in the world you watch nba tv and watch every game of the goddamn summer league in philadelphia i can't watch the sixers preseason game like it doesn't make any sense to me at all um do you know what happened i know we won by like 40 points yeah we won 126 to 94 but i am curious to see what our our bra did here markel faults he had uh 21 minutes uh, one rebound, five assists, 12 points. Uh, my favorite um, take on his play tonight from, uh, I guess, uh, someone in Orlando that was watching the game live said uh, he looked like he was, uh, you know, feeling better. His 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 demeanor looked looked better. He looked like he was only on one Ambien tonight instead of three. So <laughs> um, it, I feel like that means he had a little pep in his step, you know. And I've seen some highlights where he does look like he's 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 kind of got a little bit of his of his moves back. But like, let's be honest, Dave and Chuck, um, are 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 you concerned at all that the ghost of Markel Fultz is going to come back and haunt this team? Are you nervous that um, you know we're going to be you know at, at the bottom of the standings, looking up as? The 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 As Markel Markel's Fultz hoisting up the, the Markel uh, the Fultz led Orlando Magic is hoisting the NBA title because that's not a thing that's entered my consciousness or that I'm remotely concerned about. He can put up forty points a night for Orlando and they'll still lose by fifteen. Here's what I'll say. That is that is not something that anyone should be worried about this year or next year. If Markel Fultz turns out to be a great player, then, you know, whatever, it, he turned out to be a great player. 
the thing is, is he's not going to be a great player this year. Um, and so I can't be bothered with it because the time is now. The Sixers did not have time for his his stuff, like for his nonsense. Like if he was he we we you don't spend a number one draft pick on a guy that's going to be a five year project. Like that's just not no, something you commit, do. Can't commit ten mil to him this year at the level that he's at now. So it's just like it's not a project that we can um, you know cultivate. If this was part of the process, then you'd say, yeah, you know, we'll hang on to him. He could soak up some money. Uh, help us get to the the cap. We can send uh, him to floor, Turkey, uh, and, and we got time to. But th- that is not where we're at right now. Uh, we're pedal to the metal. Uh, these preseason games, while meaningless, have been very fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, they've been high flying. I gotta be honest. Like unlike a lot of sports, like you're gonna have to see most of the guys that are gonna play real minutes for the Sixers in preseason games. It's not like you're, I mean, other than Joel Embiid, because I don't think that he's played in any, unless he played tonight. I yeah, he's, he's played. Has he played a little bit? Yeah. I, I know he's under, under like you, 10 minutes, like nothing. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, this is interesting, at least to me as a Sixers fan, because you're also getting to see your first look at this, this lineup. And one of the things, the critiques of the, the, the team last year was they weren't together long enough to figure out how to play together uh, when it counted in the playoffs. And they still were one fluky quadruple bounce from yeah. probably going on to uh, at least the, the Eastern Conference Finals and and giving uh, giving Milwaukee a run for it. So um, I, I'm so excited to see a team with the kind of talent that this team should have uh, learn to play together. And from all accounts... Uh, this team looks really good together. When you see Ben Simmons and Al, uh, and Al Horford uh, just, you know, putting up alley-oops like they've been uh, teammates for, you know, five years, and, and you get to see Ben Simmons in kind of a, a low-pressure but still NBA, you know, uh, setting, hitting jump shots. It's it's not grainy footage from, a, from Camden. It's legitimate jump shots in a real competitive environment. Yeah. Uh and and he does he looks fluid. He looks like a different player. He looks like he's got a different kind of confidence and I I am so fired up for this season to start in a couple weeks. I can't even tell you. Yeah, it's going to be a fun one. Uh I expect the Sixers to go undefeated. Um <laughs> very reasonable expectation. <laughs> Happens all the time in basketball. Hey, did you see the did you see the highlight of uh JJ Redick getting like made a fool of by Trey Young? No, what happened? Uh Young was on a breakaway and like JJ was sort of trying to do the thing that he does where he's trying to play defense. Um and as Trey Young was running past JJ like to the left, he threw the ball between his legs. <laughs> on his route to the basket it was just a, it was a it was a pretty hilarious club i'll send it to you um all right uh oh well so oh yeah ben Simmons at a three that's what we need to talk about yeah i mean like at, at one point at one point this week i thought that was going to be you know 45 minutes of the show the way that yeah, the three-pointer that changed everything yeah the, the way that the 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 twitterverse kind of erupted <laughs> i honestly thought that uh you know Basically, Ben Simmons was going to ascend to a to enough to, to the basically deity status. Uh, and talk about the cult of gritty. We're, we've got the the cult of Ben. Um, 
but yeah, no, I mean, it's, 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 it was really cool. Uh, you know, I probably watched that highlight 10, 15 times within the first 10 minutes. Sure. Um, but I, I guess the important thing is a lot of people have been knocking Ben as, you know, he would be so good if he would be the best player in the league if, well, I think people who have been kind of supporting Ben Simmons through this whole process, we've been waiting for the moment where we can say, yeah, that if is now solved. We, we, he, there well, ain't no more if. Yeah. So here's my question to you guys. Do we keep the pressure on? Like, do we as fans, do we play it like it's whatever now? No big deal. It doesn't have to be front page news if he makes a three or if he even attempts a three. Or do we have to keep the pressure on, you know, trying to urge him to shoot the ball? Because I still don't know that, you know, now we're at the point where Ben is saying, if I'm open, I'm taking the shot. I don't know that we're there yet. So do we need to keep the pressure on as fans? What's our role? I think keep the, the pressure on and, you know, be as supportive as we have been throughout uh, this process. Um because okay, he made a three in uh, a preseason game. You know he seems more committed to shooting, but unless he does it in the regular season, unless it's a threat, you know if people have to pay attention to him as a, a perimeter shooter, then what's really the point? Yeah, you know, okay, you have a you know if, you know you can occasionally shoot a three. Great, you need it to be. It doesn't need to be his game. It's not his game. You, but you need it to be enough that people need to think about it or that you can potentially utilize it if they're not, you know, respecting him, you know, from the from a distance. And that's the thing. Really, all he needs to do is put it on tape. Like, he just needs to put it enough on tape that they have to respect it because if they start to 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 pull out on him and, and and they can spread the floor because they've got to go out and respect him when he's 15, 18, you know, behind the line where you're, you're, you're not going to just settle into the, you know, to the key and, and let him come to you. Um, just imagine how that's going to open up the floor for everybody else around him. Because honestly, I think Ben Simmons would rather have 20 assists than 20 points. Like, I honestly think that that's his mindset. And, I'm so excited to have a guy who potentially a triple-double is going to be routine for. Because we're almost at that point where a triple-double for Ben Simmons is routine. And and that is an exciting player to have on your team. A guy that can basically just stuff a stat sheet on his own. Uh, and this is, you know, they have made it the point this whole preseason to let everyone know, to put the entire league on offense, uh, on uh, on notice that we are going to be the best defense in the NBA on top of the fact that every one of our starting five is a dangerous offensive player and it's going to be really hard to stop us. I'll tell you what, it's going to be hard to stop us from going into Chuck's penalty box. All right, thank you, Dave. And I'm going to throw it back to you, Dave, who is in your penalty box this evening? Okay, in my penalty box, um, I feel it's important that we need to talk about this. Uh, it's kind of a mainstream story for the penalty box, but I'm putting Dave Peterson uh, into the penalty box this week. You guys familiar with uh, with Dave? Is it Doug's younger brother? No. 
<laughs> I'm not familiar with Dave right, Peterson. This is the alumni uh, who wrote a letter to uh, oh, a this state dude. player, um, sort of <laughs> uh, telling him that he appreciates his talent, uh, but uh, would rather he clean up his looks, uh, get rid of his uh, disgusting shoulder length dreadlocks that are clearly not attractive. Um, asking him if, uh, you know, if there's any, you know, a woman in his life that would tell him uh, that he looks horrible and how they don't watch the NFL anymore because of the disgusting tattoos and and hairstyles and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I'm glad that Penn State came out in support of the player to, I guess, the moderate degree that they did. I mean, I feel like they could have done more, but I, I just, I don't know. This is just, this is just really I think this letter is disgusting uh, more than anything else. And uh, I, I don't know if it's um, I don't know. Like, how do you guys feel about this? Is it a more is it more of a generational um, generated letter? Is it more of a racially generated letter? Uh, it, for What's me, it thing? screams racism. I mean, it, it's, you know, when they specifically cite, you know, chains and dreadlocks and tattoos and we don't watch the nfl anymore i mean just you know for a league that's you know you know the majority black or you know at least if not majority half um it really seems like it, it wasn't even veiled racism it's clean yourself up be a respectable young man act right or whatever or else we'll stop watching you like we don't watch the nfl Right, so the subtext of that is is whiten up a little bit. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's freaking gross, man. How does this... Oh, my God. To sit and write a letter like that. Like, who are you? I don't know. It was... It fucking pissed me off. You have so. way, way, way too much time on your hands. And you really should pick up retro video gaming or something. Like, find a way to get your aggression out on pixels. All right, so Dave Peterson, you are getting a lifetime ban from letter writing. Um, you can watch the games. You cannot watch the games. We don't care, but your penalty for thinly veiled and eh, pretty obvious racism, you are a lifetime ban from letter writing. No pen pals for you. All right, Gene, who is in your penalty box? Well, I, I man, this has been a gold mine of penalty type stuff all week. But honestly, the thing that has gotten me the most riled up uh, and, and is strangely Philadelphia related, at least my take, is uh, watching the Major League Baseball playoffs and um, watching Anibal Sanchez throw a near no hitter in the uh, in the NLDS, which was, I knew you know, this was your penalty box like all week, I which, <laughs> which was very exciting. And uh, to to watch as he's coming off after eight and two thirds of a, of a no hit ball to the cheering applause of St. Louis Cardinals fans. Now, I will give St. Louis Cardinals fans the benefit of the doubt. So I'm not putting you St. Louis Cardinals fans in the penalty box. I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. No, I'll, I'll oh, say three were going with. <laughs> I'll say because of the the very short poll that I took of St. Louis Cardinals fans, a grand total of two, 
they both said that they were actually cheering him coming out of the game and that the Cardinals were now going to come back and win the game. Maybe. That's, you're talking about Cardinals, Paul? Well, yeah. Well, another he, guy that I work with said the exact same thing, and he grew up in St. Louis. These are East Coast Cardinals fans. They, they don't know. So, we need to ha- if the Cardinals advance, we're having Paul on the show. We should, because uh, otherwise, who else are we going to be able to, to really <laughs> care about the Cardinals at all? But what I, who I am putting in the penalty box are the announcers who were orgasmic over lauding <laughs> how good the fans of St. Louis are. And this is the thing that bothers me maybe most in baseball of all the things that bother me is that the St. Louis Cardinals have the 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 undeserved uh, reputation as being the best fans in the world. That playing in St. Louis is like playing in baseball heaven because the St. Louis fans are just so damn good. And what great fandom to be cheering their their competitor as he threw they just love baseball. They don't care about their own team. They just love baseball and they were cheering how if that asshole had thrown that game against the Phillies in the NLCS, let me tell you one thing that they're not getting. A goddamn standing ovation. There is no way that Citizens Bank Park would be standing and cheering Annabelle Sanchez of the Washington Nationals coming. You want to see a but? You want to hear boos? You want to hear boos? You would hear boos. You would be hearing every boo. It, it drives me batty that TBS's coverage was to laud the fandom for being such good fan. Who cheers when a t- when a guy puts you basically single handedly down in the in the championship series? You're going to be cheering when, uh, you know, when you're down, when you get swept. Is that going to be something to cheer about? Oh, it's, 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 oh, I hate it. I hate it. All right. TBS announcers, you're getting a 10 minute game misconduct for um, taking Midwesterners and their politeness and making them the example for all baseball fans. We all know. Sports fandom lives and dies in the Northeast. We know how it is. Get on board, rest of the country. So TBS announcers, 10-minute game misconduct. Northeast bias. <laughs> uh, Gene, can I ask, if the score was different, like if, if it wasn't uh, like a close game, 8 nothing in the 8th, would you then pivot and cheer for the no-no to see history? <sighs> In the my team in the NLCS, no. Okay. Like I would not if I if it's like a game in August, you know. Yeah, what no, I no, mean? no, no. I, I get that. I get a game in August. Like the context, will. like the context of the game, I feel like is really important here. Like okay. this is the NLCS. Like this is to this is a game to, to get you closer to the World Series. Like you cannot be happy that a guy just shut your offense down. It's not something to be happy about. All right, word. Chuck, who's in your penalty box? <laughs> Someone I'm not nearly as passionate about as you guys. Jesus. Um, so uh, the L.A. Kings are going in my penalty box this evening because they are now covering the Taylor Swift banner at their arena. So Taylor Swift had played a record number of concerts at uh, the Staples Center. And she was presented with some sort of banner, you know, noting 
these this record number of concerts there and it was hung hung to the rafters now if this sounds familiar uh the spectrum did it to for billy joel yeah i was gonna say billy joel yeah an islanders fan an islanders fan but that's fine but it was in flyers colors uh (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I just i'm just saying like you know he, he you know it doesn't matter who you root for well yes but this isn't even a matter of who taylor swift roots for it's the fact that well once she was presented with it the la kings have been bad they haven't they haven't uh you know, oh, been out of the first geez. round yes so now they are covering it up they're not taking it down okay. they're just covering it up for king's home games now the clippers do this as well but the clippers also cover up king's banners not sorry not king's banners uh lakers banners and you know the sparks banners whatever you know because they're laker colors that makes sense okay you want to throw in taylor swift and they're fine but the Kings don't. So they're just blaming this, like, we're bad, and it's that Taylor Swift banner. So LA Kings, for your made-up voodoo and veiled, you know, misogyny, and veiled is apparently the secret word in its penalty box, uh, you're getting a two-minute minor. I don't care about this as nearly as much as the other guys do. So let me ask this. When when did the banner go up? Do we know? It went up in 2015. They won the cup in 2014. <laughs> Wait, so this has been hanging for four <laughs> years and they've just decided to cover it up now? Yes, and their team's going to be bad. Like, I thought like, this would have happened. Like, this had gone up, like, in August. No, it, it, it went up in 2015. Well, I, I think that that the four years... Um, you know, yeah, I put it right up there with the curse of the Bambino, the curse of the Billy Goat, the curse of Billy Penn, and the curse of Taylor Swift. You know, it's yeah. only four years, but, you know, it's pretty legendary. <laughs> yeah, and the team got old in a hurry. They were an old team. They got bad for that reason, and they're going to be bad this year. If you want to try to change your, you know, your voodoo up, change your jinx up, wait for a year that you might be good. Is there any Swifty uh, outrage? Oh, I imagine. But I mean, they, they I don't really follow in those circles. <laughs> so I mean, she's one of those people you're not allowed to not like. So no. Well, well I, I imagine there's going to be an album dedicated to them. Mm. All right, everybody. That's all the time we have for today. Uh, if you haven't done so already, uh, please remember to rate, review and subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, please check us out on social media. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, we're active on all of those platforms to varying degrees. Uh, if you have any time in your podcast listening day, please sh- be sure to check out the Whip Around, our sister show. We're doing some uh, uh, throwback episodes uh, for the next few weeks uh, after the big episode 100. So you get some uh, some best of sampling there. Um, and until then, you know, we'll see you. We'll see you uh, next Monday, where we're going to uh, have a raw nerve episode immediately following uh, Eagles Cowboys. So get ready, guys! It's going to be a, uh, it's going to be a long night. So until then, have a great day at work, everybody. We are out of here. <laughs>